This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that should have. Joining us for today's discussion is an award-winning reporter, Kumar Sambhav Srivastav, founder of Land Conflict Watch and contributing editor to Business Standard. Sambhav has won several awards, including the GIGN Award, the Red Ink Award, an award from Thomson Foundation. Hi, Sambhav. Welcome to Reporters. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. Sambhav recently did a report about how pollution in the Ganges rose during the Modi government tenure. So Sambhav would be speaking to us about the story, the media's coverage of land conflicts, among other things. Also coming back after a week-long chutti is Gaurav Sarkar. Hi, Gaurav. Hi, Cherry. Nice to be back. <laughs> Our intrepid reporter Pratik would be joining us over the phone. Pratik recently did a report from a Chhattisgarh village where he reported about security forces' excesses. Please check out his report if you haven't already. We also have on my left Aish Tawar. Hi, Ayush. Hi, Cherry. And, and of course, yours truly, Cherry Agarwal. You sound really disappointed. He sounds hurt that he's been called <laughs> on the show. Okay, let's get the party started. Ayush, do you want to get us started? What did you think the media missed? Was there something that you thought was overreported? I thought uh, some not that media missed something, but something that should have been reported well, at least in the print, but I didn't see much of it except on the 8th or the ninth page of newspapers, was the alleged Operation Lotus, which is... You mean Operation Lotus 2.0? Yes. I think the first one was Operation <laughs> Kamal. So it's Lotus. It's not, there's okay. no 2.0 here again. Drastic change. Just a correction, Cherry. <laughs> Second, um, so regarding that, there's been allegations again about horse trading in Karnataka mm-hmm. and going by the news reports coming out, BJP has uh, had sequestered its MLAs in Gurgaon. Mm-hmm. Congress had sequestered them somewhere outside Bangalore. So unlike last time where there were allegations of BJP trying to horse trade, I think this time both parties are trying to horse trade MLAs from each other. And the anti-defection law, of course, wouldn't work here because if you put them on the MLAs, they'll be disqualified, which will mean weaker numbers for the ruling government. So it's a hopeless game. And I was just reading the reports over the week and I thought uh, these people seem less like MLAs and more like items of for auction, to be very honest, because what does it say about a democracy if MLAs, you know, there's such casual talk in reports about MLAs being bought and sold. 60 crore 60 was the crores, price. 60 crores was one yeah. of the amounts quoted. Just, just think about that. But you thought that this should have received more attention. Definitely, but this should have been a subject of debate, at least on the prime time slots mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Gaurav, what caught your attention this week? So, uh, you know, just to add to what Ayush said, I feel that the entire Operation Lotus 2.0, maybe one of the reasons why it was underreported is also because Karnataka has been in shambles ever since the election happened. Right. So, you know, these reports have been surfacing, coming, mm-hmm. going. First, it was the ruling party. Then it was not the ruling party. Now, we're hearing figures like 60 crores. So, maybe from an editorial point of view, it doesn't hold water when it comes to like news value because mm-hmm. it's been happening for a while. But uh, something that I felt was drastically overreported was the JNU charge sheet. And uh, to be very honest with everyone who's listening to this show, this is filing the charge sheet was something is something that is just getting the act started. It's not even the beginning of any kind of action to take place. The entire course of the hearing, counter hearing, all of it is yet to take place. So what is all the hue and cry about anyway right now? This should have been done years back, right? The charge sheet should have been filed years back. So 
devoting 9 pm coverage to it devoting your front page to it seems a little over the top and they got slapped on the wrist for the charge sheet also yeah, by the supreme, by the supreme court, court. Yeah. correct but i didn't think it was over the top reco- uh, reporting primarily because i mean sedition is a law that needs a lot of discussion and if somebody is being slapped with sedition it does deserve prime time coverage given that it's the charge sheet is being filed after 3 years mm-hmm. that delay itself should ask should have the journalist questioning what's happening and which is why i think the reportage it deserved prime time space But so then why did it deserve prime time space only on you know particular channels because some channels didn't have access to the charge sheet in the first couple of days if i'm not wrong and some prime time channels covered it as if it was a vindication of what they had been claiming it's not a vindication yeah, so in any sense it's a charge sheet you can't claim only if it if you were to assume that everything on that 1200 page charge sheet is true can mm-hmm. you claim vindication but that's not the case i agree with you i think the thing that we should be pointing out here is how the coverage was done and it's a charge sheet it is what the police is saying are the allegations it's not proven they are not convicted so claiming vindication isn't what the media should be doing definitely absolutely uh sambhav i want to bring you in the discussion here So what did you think the media did really well with over the past week did you think there was something that the media missed Okay so um I think uh, there was overt excitement about uh, trying to figure out what the government was coming up with the package on agriculture there was uh, obviously uh, there was so much anticipation that government was come up with something extraordinary on farmers distress and this whole package was being talked about but I could see journalists not being as critical uh, about examining what exactly those that package means uh, for the business economics and for farmers but just for as it has been with every uh, theatrics that has been going on for a while agriculture package also almost became the same and the reporting was also uh, very superficial on that just the claims of the government were mostly reported and there was little examination and uh, breaking the whole package uh, was done by reporters so is it because newsrooms lack expertise they also work under a lot of uh, pressure uh, in terms of uh, all the beat reporters uh, they don't have luxury to actually spend time on these documents and reports and decipher the information and bring out the stories that what it means especially when it comes to the uh, sectors which need some kind of domain expertise mm-hmm. like agriculture environment but the point is that these are the ones it's easy to uh, capture politics uh, because that is a lot of uh, comments statements made by made by the politicians uh, officials but when it comes to uh, issues it requires some kind of uh, uh, spending time on uh, deciphering the information mm-hmm. which uh, many reporters don't get that's that's how uh, that's the unfortunate part of the how media functions are you speaking from experience i sort of uh, I'm a little more fortunate than others that I could still uh, spend time on uh, on some issues but yes uh, I'm saying beat reporters don't have that luxury some might not have desire but even those who have desire don't get uh, that kind of time so yeah I started as a beat reporter and yes there the experience has been the same are you lucky because you go to office once a week <laughs> <laughs> now um, yes uh, i mean i find uh, that i can yeah take out time to actually spend some time on those things uh, that's the arrangement that i have so that just means publication. that just means you have to be an entrepreneur for that luxury how's that going ayush no well <laughs> the less said the better 
but uh, gorov and ayush you you guys have been doing stories have you also faced this dis- uh, difficulty of meeting deadlines where you would have liked to spend more time with the story but you weren't able to okay so i've been a beat reporter for about 3 years in bombay and uh, what sambhav is saying is absolutely right because you have a certain kra of producing one or two stories a day which you have to do otherwise that particular page or section will go blank so you're obligated to you know sort of try and put a story in that space but what happens to like the larger what happens to like the bigger picture stories that actually require you and probably two others to sit down analyze some data and draw your own conclusions it becomes a very repetitive cycle ki you know mujhe uthna hai subah i'll have to find my story i have to file it by 7 pm i have to go back home so it becomes i mean no, no not drawing any comparisons or anything but you become like a robot and you have to just meet certain deadlines at the same time it is an editorial responsibility that you have to fill in those pages you know there's there's no way to circumvent that so unless newsrooms do get the resources it seems like you know a vacuum that we're going to be stuck in I issue you were grinning when Sambhav was talking about beach potters and not having enough time to spend with stories. No 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 I was grinning when you asked the question because I what what you asked me and Gaurav I think I I'm not the fit person to answer that because I'm too recent an entrant into the profession to claim that. Okay. Uh Sambhav coming back to you. Uh you just did a story about how pollution in the Ganges rose in Uttarakhand in particular in 2014. between uh, during the modi government's tenure could you tell us a little bit more about your story and how did you get the scoop because the story says that the government kept the report under wraps okay so uh, it it basically i'll i'll come back to the same point that i was talking uh, uh, about having time to spend on documents so this is i won't claim that this was a scoop uh, this report has been in public domain for a while it was out there uh, on the cpcb website uh, central pollution control board's website for about a month why uh, the story says that it wasn't uh, it was kept under wrap because the the report was prepared in june 2018 and first i'll just give a brief about what the report say uh, the report says that uh, in the entire stretch of uh, 2500 kilometers of ganga the uttarakhand stretch has become more polluted than what it was in 2014 uh, and the remaining stretch is as polluted as w- it was in 2014 so basically uh, the if you take it on an average the entire ganga stretch is the river is more polluted than what it was 4 years ago and uh, why it becomes important because uh, cleaning of ganga was a priority for this government there was a commitment that they'll clean it up uh, they had uh, they had renamed a ministry on, uh, for cleaning of ganga they also uh, launched a entire mission namami gange mission for cleaning of ganga with a with a hoping uh, budget of 2200 crore right they already spent uh, some 6000 uh, crore sorry 22000 crore and 6000 crore they have already spent so then and there has been a claim that the situation is improving but this report just uh, uh, just proves otherwise now they never put this report out uh, there was a supreme court order in december which said that the government should put all the studies related to pollution on their website and that's when the uh, government was forced to put this uh, report out it was reported then the people there were reporters who wrote about this uh, report but there was no story like nobody actually uh, as i said that maybe beat reporters just don't get time to decipher the information and and see what the story is in the report later uh, 
uh, when I was reporting on it, I when I sent I when I realized that this is the there is a comparison of four years and it says that the river is more polluted now. I sent these questions to the government and the same day they withdrew that report from the website. They removed it, and that's when I was like, oh, they never wanted this information to get out. Uh, even when the report, so you know, we need to understand also that how this pressure on beat reporters is also exploited by the bureaucrats or by government. You put a report out, you know that reporters are going to ask about it, you already prepare a narrative and give them a story on their platter, mm -hmm. which is confusing, which is, which is going nowhere. So then before the actual story gets out, the story is killed because it's reported by someone and then others would think, oh, somebody has already done this, I'm not going to report it. Mm -hmm. So this is how uh, this whole pressure thing works. Somebody still had time and luxury and desire and to say the hard hitting bits up front would still have a story. So as I said, just so probably Did the government respond enough. to your questions? No, they never did. They, I was talking to them on phone and they asked where this report was, how did you get, and then the report was removed. They never came back on the on the questions. Sambhav, was this report pulled down from uh, the initial website where it was published? Was it, it was pulled down, if it I'm not It was pulled wrong. down after okay. we sent the queries to the government. Oh, after you all sent... No, no, first they never put it up. Okay. The report was kept under wrap. Supreme Court, somebody complained to the Supreme Court during one of the hearings on air pollution issue. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court happened to say that you have to put all the uh, reports related to pollution up on your website. So then they had to put this one as well. So first, basically, it was up, then they've removed it. And the Supreme Court told them that, no, you have to provide Initially all the... Initially, it wasn't up. It was never put up. Only after Supreme Court, somebody complained to Supreme Court that there might be studies mm -hmm. that they are sitting on and are not putting up. That's when the story, the report was put up. And then it was pulled down after the queries were sent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the kind of reports that do make it to the media, there was a report in the Hindu on 18th January. There was another government commission independent study. But that study was so vague, they, I think, uh, did investigations in 97 towns by the Ganga in we Bihar, West Bengal. And I think they just put grade A, B, C, A meaning very clean, B meaning partially clean and C meaning needs improvement, not mm -hmm. even saying dirty, needs improvement. And they put out that report. But I was curious, so the 22,000 crores they've allocated for the cleaning the Ganga, what's the time period over which they have to spend that? Till uh, 2022, to 2020, they say. Yeah, 20, and they've spent 6.5 till now. Yeah, and the, so the, that comes confirms the second report's finding, which I'm quoting from the Hindu, because even that one found out that the budget allocation and the money they've been re releasing for cleaning the Ganga, hmm. that's very low. I mean, it's 2019 now, and you have 16,000 crores apparently allocated for this, but I don't think that treasuries have enough money i think the bigger question would be even the amount that they've spent which is uh, approximately six thousand crores what work have they done with that money right. has some work been done because if sambhav's report is saying that the pollution is increasing then so what they say is uh they had been spending a lot of money on uh, stps sewage treatment, treatment plants and also Ghat, uh, renovation, plantation around rivers. So a lot of uh, uh, experts working on, on Ganga cleaning or conservation of Ganga, they claim that these are all very cosmetic uh, construction things. You are basically doing the river uh, riverfront development, plantation and STPs. They won't work unless there is a 
there is an aviral flow as they say there's a constant flow in the river which is being hindered because of the construction of dams uh, upstream and unless there is a natural flow of water it it can't remain clean uh, from upstream till the, uh, till till the end and uh, that's what the demand of uh, professor gd agarwal was that uh, you know instead of you putting so much money on cleaning it hmm. let it flow so that hmm. it it automatically clean it cleans itself so is there a plan that the government has sort of a master plan as to how they would achieve this particular target by 2020 i don't think so because they initially in the beginning itself in 2014 they came up with several targets and they they keep like you know extending this deadline so if there was a plan it would have worked by now and they are spending a lot of money it's not in the public domain i mean they do have a plan in public domain they're saying that they, they, there are about 75 projects on on stps and there are these many projects so it's very project centric that these are the number of projects we have to spend money on these projects and these are the targets meeting would that essentially clean the river we don't know it hasn't for four years you know i'm glad sambhav you brought that up because uh, so uh this is your area of expertise you know but uh in in probably a very layman language right now aren't we sort of past the point with air pollution and water pollution that we can actually turn the tables and make a difference i mean if it was 10 years back or 20 years back the outlook would have seemed brighter but sorry for sounding like a cynic but it just probably sounds like there's no way to turn the tables on pollution at all anymore unless like you let the earth restart all over again like let let all of mankind be washed away because the human footprint in india is just so heavy that the more you counteract with stps on the ganga you will have those many number of settlements just coming up next to the ganga and that's just going to keep adding to the pollution so you can devote 22000 crores and you know set projects that are centric to the ganga but is that actually going to make do you think that's going to make a difference in general yeah i think it's not uh, it's not impossible to do it like you're saying uh the it's very difficult to we have passed the point and that's that's exactly why we need to do it because there is no getting away from it right other con- other countries other cities have done it mm-hmm. beijing have done it mm-hmm. they have as many people and uh, uh, as as delhi they have cleaned their air it's a question of priority and efficiency uh, for example you i'm glad you brought the air pollution up they had been sitting on a national clean air plan for almost a year uh, and they announced it in 2000 late 2018 right mm-hmm. and they were drafting it for almost a year they came up with uh, with a plan this year they don't have legally binding targets the targets that they have come up are so Loose. Uh, yeah lose that it's even if to they meet that 30% reduction delhi would be still three times as polluted as mm-hmm. uh, as it's today uh, from the uh, three times more polluted than the legal limits are required now here the interesting point is they have legal limits a government which has which has put legal limits to pollution that air can't be more polluted than this they are not meeting those legal limits for 10 years it's the government's responsibility somebody can sue them Mm-hmm. that you know i am not getting the air that is uh, that i am legally required to get so it's the responsibility of the government and then they are coming up with targets saying oh we'll do it 30 to 40% in next 5 years while they continue to violate the legal limits so unless they have this commitment and priority uh, they do it. it's pollution is not priority in elections right it's but not. that's really surprising because that's what we breathe for like 24 hours a day you know and It's, there is no public just, yeah there is no public uprising on this they you you dem, don't demand 
healthy air healthy water as a as a commitment from politi- yeah, politicians yeah i think we take it for granted and we become desensitized exactly. to just high levels of yeah, pollution we've been so used to it i think people are also focusing on the short term needs right i mean if i don't have food mm-hmm. more than air that food in my tummy by the end of the day would start sure. just troubling me more sure. so i mean i wouldn't blame the people for not you know taking up arms for air while that is required to put pressure on the government i think they are their those are their priorities to put food on the table ayush i think your report mentioned that there's just one region around where the ganga meets the drinking water standards this is curious which one is that it's just know. before haridwar Uh, so just before it, it actually the like the pristine flow right, of right, the right, river right, right, actually right. gets hindered from haridwar itself mm. so before haridwar you can yeah. just like drink water that's the only place i'll take a dip yaar okay <laughs> <laughs> call me seditious but i will never take a dip at Bara- banaras or any other place and what's the most polluted spot interesting <laughs> <laughs> uh the most polluted so they did two rounds of monitoring in 2016 17 the sewer uh pollution levels the highest one was in varanasi Okay. Uh Prime Minister Modi's constituency it though improved a bit in the later round of 2016-18. Yeah. Also in Allahabad uh, where the kumbh is going on. Somehow probably the last question from my end on this one is just that would it actually help if we opened up the dams and just let the river flow naturally? Would it if what what if we give the river about a year or two years to just take its natural course? Would That's that That's what the been the demand of most of the uh, river conservationists. That let it flow naturally, let it just take yes, its path the way it has exactly been. Yes. That's exactly what their demand is. Even if you don't like flow it entire like give the entire natural flow give it at least th- 50% mm-hmm. that's that's what their demand was that's what gdagar was demand okay. was but government is not ready to even bring it to 50% they are saying that they'll they'll maintain it to about uh, 10 15% through the year okay also got up to your question whether there's hope or not mm-hmm. i think bengaluru like why go to china bengaluru mm-hmm. they have rejuvenated their lakes i mean there's still warthur that they have to deal with and there are other lakes that need improvement but putanahalli is an example of but that lake sounds like an exception to the rule and we both have lived in no. bangalore and we've seen that foam that comes out of the lakes it's true, just true which is true which but uh, what i'm saying is there is hope if there's political will if there is will among the people in general it can be done it's not something that cannot be attained but uh, now we will connect with prateek to talk about his story Hi Pratik thank you for joining us Hi So Pratik aapne recently Chhattisgarh ke ek village se Korse Gora se ek story ki thi about uh, security forces ke excesses could you tell us a little bit more about your story So ye jo maine abhi story ki thi haal hi mein Korse Gora naav ke upar ki thi jo ki Bijapur district mein hai Basogora tehsil mein Naxal bastion ka rata hai wo ilaka pura Bastar mein Bastar ke sabhi jante hain to ye jo story thi ye matlab ek पेंडेंट लड़की के रेत के ऊपर थी ऊपर से वहाँ के गांव वालों को जो बच्चे से लेके बड़े तक लीगली डिटेन करके पुलिस ले जाती है और बदले में उनसे पैसे लेती है काफी ज्यादा और जो भी उनके एसिड्स होते हैं उनको उनको जबरदस्ती सीज कर लेना ये बोल के कि भाई आपने नक्सलाइट से पैसे ले रखे हैं या नक्सलाइट का समर्थन करते हैं तो इसके ऊपर बेस्ट थी स्टोरी पूरी अब ये जो इनिशियली घटना जो रेत की घटना है वो तेरह सितम्बर की है जब करीबन दस एक सिक्योरिटी फोर्सेज के बंदे आए थे वहाँ पे उस गाँव में कोरसेगुड़ा में और जिन्होंने जो 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 विक्टिम जो हम सर्वाइवर बोली है विक्टिम बोली है जो लड़की थी उनको वहां से वो अपने कमरे बैठी हुई थी अपने झोपड़ी के तो वहां से खींच के उनको दूसरे खट में ले गए उन्हीं घर के प्रमाइसिस में और वो उन्होंने अंदर से उसको बंद कर लिया और इस वक्त जो लोगों ने बीच बचाव करने की कोशिश की थी जो महिलाओं ने 
उनको लाठी वाठी मार के मैंने वहां से भगाया और जो मैंने जैसे बताया था कि जो भी वहाँ पे ये मतलब इस तरीके का ये माहौल है कि जब भी सिक्योरिटी फोर्सेस के लोग आते हैं वहाँ पे जो आदमी लोग होते हैं देख के भागने लगते हैं जनरली वही तरीका होता है उनको पकड़ के रिटेन करके उनकी पिटाई करना या उनपे नक्सलिज्म का चार्ज लगा के थाने लेके चले जाना तो उसके बाद वो लड़की के साथ उन्होंने मतलब उसको मतलब जब वो उसको वहाँ से जब जब अपने कमरे में थी तो उसको खींच के भी जब लेके आए थे तो उसके दोनों हाथ पीछे से बांध दिया था हाथ पे पट्टी बांध के वहाँ पे ले गए दूसरे कमरे में तो वहीं फिर उन्होंने उसको मतलब स्ट्रिप करवाया उसका वीडियो बनाया उस दौरान कुछ लोग उसको मॉलिस्ट कर रहे थे उसके बाद तीन लोगों ने उसके साथ रेप किया और उसके बाद फिर वो वहाँ से उसको लेके गए कैम्प सीआरपीएफ का कैम्प है वहाँ पे कोर्सीगुड़ा के पास वहाँ पे और उसके बाद फिर उसी हालत में उसको बासागुड़ा पुलिस स्टेशन ले गए बासागुड़ा पुलिस स्टेशन जाने के बाद उसको कपड़े उपड़े पहनने दिए उन्होंने तो उसके बाद फिर शाम को उनके गांव के लोग गए वहाँ से और वो लड़की को वापस लेके आए उसके बाद हॉस्पिटल गए हॉस्पिटल में जो भी उसका ट्रीटमेंट हुआ अब वहाँ पे इस इलाके में ये एक बात बहुत गौर करने वाली है की वहाँ पे कोई भी अगर पुलिस से संबंधित मामला होता है या ऐसे भी कोई मामले होते हैं तो अगर कोई वहाँ का जो लोकल जो आदिवासी है अगर वो कंप्लेंट या शिकायत या मेडिकल रिपोर्ट है तो उसके हाथ में कभी कुछ नहीं आता ना इसको एफ कॉपी दी जाती है ना इसको मेडिकल रिपोर्ट मिलती तो उनके लिए बहुत मुश्किल हो जाता है ये अगर वो अपनी कोई शिकायत भी लेके जाए कहीं आगे तो उसके बहुत मुश्किल हो जाता है की इसको स्टैब्लिश कैसे करें फिर वो उसी में ऐसे बहुत जैसे की दो में जब करीबन सोलह महिलाओं ने मतलब उनका बलात्कार हुआ था वहाँ पे इसी साउथ बस्तर में दक्षिण बस्तर में बीजापुर का ये सब इलाका है दंतेवाड़ा बीजापुर तब भी वही सब बोला जा रहा था कि नहीं नहीं ये तो ऐसा सीआरपीएफ पूरा डिनाई कर दिया था जो पुलिस फोर्सेज ने पूरा डिनाई कर दिया था उन्होंने उसके बाद जब नेशनल ह्यूमन राइट कमीशन ने पूरी इसकी इंक्वायरी करी तो पता लगा कि सोलह लड़कियों के साथ वहाँ पर बलात्कार हुआ था उसके बाद फिर हाईकोर्ट में अट्ठाईस और लोगों ने इसको लेके आगे केस किया तो वहाँ पे ऐसे माहौल है की मतलब ऐसे बलात्कार हो गया या किसी को डिटेन करना हो गया ये बहुत इतना कॉमन हो चुका है की मतलब उनको कोई सुनवाई नहीं है उनकी उनके पास कोई जरिया नहीं है तो जैसे कि अभी वो एक पंद्रह साल की तो तीन बच्चियां थी पंद्रह सोलह सत्रह साल की उम्र की तीन बच्चियां थी वो वहाँ पे वासागुड़ा में बाजार लगा था वहाँ अधिकतर शुक्रवार के दिन बाजार लगते हैं तो वहाँ बाजार लगा था तो वो बच्चियां बाजार में खरीदारी करने गई थी तो वो जो भी सिक्योरिटी फोर्सेज के बंदे थे तो वो लोग उनको वहाँ से उठा के लेके चले गए वासागुड़ा अपने स्थान है वहाँ जाके उनको बोलने लगे की भाई क्या तुम नक्सली घर पे आते ना तुम्हारे नक्सलियों का साथ देते हो इस तरीके से रात भर उनको डिटेन करके रखा सुबह बोला कि वहाँ का जो थाना इंचार्ज था उन्हें बोला कि हाँ सुबह हम आपको ये शाम को बात करेंगे तो शाम को सरपंच वहाँ पे गया उनका गांव छोड़ाने के लिए तो बोला कि ये लड़कियां तो संगम में संगम मतलब एक ऐसा ग्रुप एक दलम होता है एक संगम होता है संगम एक गाँव के लेवल के जो युवा होते हैं उनका ग्रुप होता है नक्सलियों तो वो लोग क्या करते हैं वो गाँव की मतलब सिक्योरिटी करना इस तरीके से और नक्सली जब गाँव में आते हैं तो नक्सली सिर्फ संगम के लोगों की बात करते हैं तो ऐसा बोला कि लड़कियां उस लड़कियां संगम ही है उन्होंने बोला इनका कोई नक्सली संबंध है ना किसी से संबंध है तो बोले काम करो तो दो दो के तो तीस हजार रुपए बताए और एक लड़की के बोले साठ हजार रुपए तो ये दो लड़कियों के पेरेंट ने पंद्रह पंद्रह हजार रुपए देखे दोनों बच्चे छूट गई जिसके दो साठ हजार रुपए इतना बड़ा अमाउंट था उनके पास थे नहीं तो बच्चे को जगदलपुर जेल भेज दिया तो इस तरीके की वहाँ पे वारदात होती है जैसे कि उसके बाद फिर किसी को एक, एक जो गावाई का एक ड्राइवर था वो ट्रैक्टर से अपना ट्रैक्टर से गाँव में जा रहा था वहाँ पे तो बीजापुर की तरफ तो उसको रोक लिया उसको ट्रैक्टर की चाबी निकाल ली बोला कि तुमने नक्सली से पैसा लेके लिया है मैं चल तेरा ट्रैक्टर अंदर रखते मतलब इस तरीके से वहाँ पे जातियाँ बहुत होती है लेकिन उनकी सुनवाई कोई नहीं होती वहाँ पे अगर जैसे मैं भी जब हम लोग जा रहे थे वहाँ पे एरिया में जा रहे थे तो सीआरपीएफ वाले ने बहुत बार रोका भी था वो रोकते हैं किधर जाना है क्या है ये है वो उसके बाद आप अंदर जाओगे तो बोलेंगे कि इधर मत जाओ बहुत डेंजरस एरिया है ये वो इस तरीके से मतलब तो वो तो इनको तो मतलब वो कुछ समझते ही नहीं है वहाँ के आदिवासियों को 
मतलब अगर वो पिटाई में किसी को झापड़ रसीद करना वहाँ पे बहुत आसान काम है किसी ने चाटा मार दिया अच्छा मार दिया मार दिया वो इतने यूज्ड हो गए बेचारे की मतलब वो उनकी कोई सुनवाई नहीं है वहाँ पे और ऐसी बात नहीं है की सिर्फ सीआरपीएफ वाले ही अगर आप बस्तर में अगर नक्सलाइट का भी देखोगे तो नक्सलाइट भी इस तरीके से गाँव वालों के साथ ट्रैक्टरों का छीन लेना उनका मतलब उनको वो उनका भी दमन करते हैं ऐसी बात नहीं है तो इसके हाँ बोली बोली आपके स्टोरी के लिए आप जब सीआरपीएफ को आपने रीच आउट किया था तो उनका क्या रिस्पांस था तो सीआरपीएफ के जो देखिए जो सीआरपीएफ में तो वहाँ पे डीआईजी से बात करी थी मैंने ठीक है उसके बाद फिर इनसे बात करी थी ठीक है जो एसपी है वहाँ के और आईजी तीनों लोगों से बात करी थी तो सीआरपीएफ वाले साहब बोलते हैं कि उन्होंने बोला था कि जो सीआरपीएफ के वहाँ के डीआईजी थे बीजापुर के उन्होंने बोला की अगर अगर हमारे बंदे हैं ऐसे तो हम उनको बिल्कुल फांसी भी चलाने के लिए तैयार है बिल्कुल इस तरीके की बकवास मतलब इस तरीके का न्यूसेंस हम नहीं झेला जाएगा यहाँ पे और हम लेकिन ये प्रूव होना चाहिए ठीक है और प्रूफ कैसे होगा हाँ अब बात मैं वही बता रहा हूँ कि वहाँ पे चीजों को प्रूव करना इसलिए बहुत मुश्किल हो जाता है क्योंकि अभी जी पत्रकार चले गए वहाँ पे या कोई एक्टिविस्ट चले गए या तो वहाँ पे वहाँ के पहली बात वहाँ के नेता जो हैं वहाँ के नेता हैं आदिवासी लेकिन वो उनकी तरफ बिल्कुल ध्यान नहीं देते उनका सिर्फ शहरों से थोड़ा जो शहरी इलाके हैं वहाँ से उनको मतलब रहता है तो ये जो इस जो ऐसे क्षेत्रों में जो गाँव में जो आदिवासी रहते हैं उनकी कुछ सुनवाई होती नहीं तो फिर वो मतलब या तो कभी नक्सल के पास चले जाते हैं कभी इधर से हुआ तो उधर तो वो बीच में कुटते रहते हैं मतलब नक्सली और पुलिस जो सीआरपीएफ पुलिस या डी जो स्टेट फोर्सेज है इनके बीच में वो मतलब एक सैंडविच की तरह बन चुके हैं कभी कोई उनको वो वहाँ से मारता है कभी उनको यहाँ से कोई मारता है तो वो उनकी स्थिति है दूसरा जो मैंने इससे बात जो वहाँ के एसपी से बात करी थी जी तो पहली बात तो अब ये इस इस चीज के बारे में पहली बार एक ऑनलाइन पोस्ट आई थी सात तारीख को ठीक है सात तारीख को पोस्ट आई थी और जब मैंने एस से बात करी वहाँ के बीजापुर के तो वो बोलते हैं कि अरे इस पे तो दो महीने दो हफ्ते पहले ही हमने ये मतलब आईजी साहब ने बोला है इंक्वायरी बिठाने और इस पे इंक्वायरी कर रही है बोले तो वो चल रही है अब जब मैंने आईजी से बात करी पहले तो सात तारीख को ही आई थी मैंने उनसे बात करी थी करीबन दस या ग्यारह तारीख को ग्यारह बारह तारीख को मतलब चार पांच दिन बाद आपके पांच छह दिन बाद समझ ठीक है तो वो बोल रहे हैं की दो हफ्ते पहले थी तो वो तारीख तो और बहुत पहले चली जाती है उस हिसाब से फिर मैंने आई से बात करी वहाँ के बस्तर रेंज के तो उन्होंने मुझसे बोला नहीं बोले बोले कौन सी बोले पहली बात तो जगह कहाँ पे है तो उनको बताया मैंने बीजापुर डिस्ट्रिक्ट में तो अच्छा हाँ शायद वहाँ के एसपी ने इंक्वायरी बैठाई होगी तो बोले कितने दिन पहले बैठाई सर तो बोले कुछ एक हफ्ता हुआ है तो वहाँ मतलब इनके जवाबों का मैंने कहने का मतलब ये की उनको कुछ फिक्र नहीं है यहाँ अगर हो रही है तो हो रही है मतलब वो ऐसा मतलब बहुत उनके लिए मतलब वो एग्जिस्ट नहीं करते इस तरीके का उनका रवैया है उनके लिए क्योंकि okay. तो अगर यही मामला अगर शहर का होता तो अगर आप समझ लीजिए मुंबई या दिल्ली में इस तरीके की लड़की के साथ हो जाए तो पूरा हिंदुस्तान का मीडिया लगा होता कि यहाँ मतलब चौबीस घंटे और मतलब ट्वेंटी फोर यही चालू होता यहाँ पे उस इलाके का हिसाब ऐसा है की वहाँ पे बेचारे उनकी तरफ को ध्यान देता नहीं तो सिंपल सी बात है की वहाँ पे चीजों को स्टाब्लिश करने में बड़ी दिक्कत होती जी सो एक रीजन ये की मीडिया पेनेट्रेशन बहुत कम है एंड मीडिया का उस रीजन के बारे में अवेयरनेस बहुत कम है राइट मूविंग ऑन गौरव यू वॉन्ट टू टॉक अबाउट द प्रेसर दैट हैपेंड अबाउट दीवीएम हैकिंग सो अकॉर्डिंग टू मी दैट हाँ वील प्रतीक यू कैन कम्प्लीटली ज्वाइन इन ऑन दिस कॉज आई नो यूर डाइंग एंड इचिंग टू लाइक कॉमेंट ऑन वॉट हैपेंड यस्टरडे बट या दिस मिस्ट्री मैन सैयद यू नो हु मेड ऑल दीज रेवल्यूशन यस्टरडे ऑन एयर बेस्ड आउट ऑफ लंडन इट सीम नथिंग शॉर्ट ऑफ अ वेरी स्पेक्टैक्यूलर नोयर फिल्म एट दी आउटसेट and uh, okay so for so for everyone listening to this who uh, don't really know what happened yesterday the indian journalists association european chapter based out of london held a press conference which they have been uh, tweeting and covering since probably the last 72 hours and they said that they would have a us based cyber expert with them who uh, 
has who claims to have uh, not only made EVMs in India but has worked from 2009 to 2014 in the run up to the 2014 general election. He would be demonstrating live on air, live streaming uh, to show how these EVMs can actually be hacked. Uh, this was the story till about 5:30 p.m. yesterday, but. Uh, what should have been a fairly straightforward report turned out to be a Quentin Tarantino film mixed with some Kurosawa action in it. So uh, this guy claims at the outset that uh, Gopinath Munde was murdered because she knew about uh, the BJP hacking uh, EVMs. That was point number one. Point number two, which and as we like escalate points, as we you'll just see uh, how absurd and sensational all the claims are. According to him. Every election since 2014 has been rigged because EVMs have been rigged since 2014. Apart from that, he claims that he has a team which, uh, you know, they, they sound a bit like Batman or like Vigilantes because, uh, no, they do, they do. Because apparently uh, he says that the AAP, that AAP won Delhi because they intervened and intercepted a signal which by default made the election fair. This is apparently the same thing that happened in, yeah, Cherry, we can see that face. But this is apparently the same thing that happened in Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh and Rajasthan right now, which is why the Congress won there. The guy was supposed to be there live in London and was supposed to show us, you know, how EVMs can actually be hacked. But he was allegedly attacked by an African-American national, as he claims, uh, on the streets somewhere in the US. And he had to be Skyped in. So, uh, you know, Pratik, I'm just going to bring you in over here and ask you that when you were WhatsApp groups yesterday and you were seeing that this is happening, what was your first initial reaction? Because I saw the entire thing live and uh, for, for me it was nothing short of a film. But what was, what, what, what is, what was your first reaction? I think that there were a lot of claims that were claimed. लेकिन अभी मतलब जैसे कि वो कल ये सब चल रहा था अब आज के दिन भी मतलब अपन मैंने काफी पता-पता कर रहा था तो काफी कुछ मतलब हाथ में आया है चीजें बट कैसा नहीं ये चीज को पूरा इन्वेस्टिगेट करेंगे तब कुछ बात बनेगी बट डजेंट टाइमिंग क्योंकि वो प्रैक्टिकली पॉसिबल है ही नहीं वो जो बताया ना कि पूरा जो पूरे कंट्री का इलेक्शन करना या पूरे एटीएम साथ करना तो वो वो पॉसिबल है ही नहीं सो ओके प्रतीक इफ वी गो बाय व्हाट दिस गाइस सेइंग इट इज इम्पॉसिबल टू हैक ईवीएम्स वाया अ वायरलेस डिवाइस तो हम ब्लूटूथ या he was employed with ECIL, Electronic Corporation of India Limited, and he was working on. I was going to that you have documents So, directly ECIL employee, solution company Hyderabad. So, it was outsourced? It was outsourced. So, outsourced. So, so I just wanted to draw, you know, the listeners' attention to two things. Uh, one is that this guy claims that he was part of a 14-member team, you know, and all his teammates, all his team members were shot at point-blank range at a BJP MLA's house in a Hyderabad suburb. And he was the only survivor. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I had that same reaction. But uh, apart from that, he also claims that the Gauri Lankesh murder that happened was because Gauri Lankesh had agreed to run the story. She had apparently agreed to run the story, which is why, as as like a side effect, it it you know she died. But lastly, you know, uh, he also said that there was an Indian journalist who came to visit him in the states, 
and this particular indian journalist has a reputation for shouting on uh, air every day at 9 pm and he said that he was promised that the story would be run but once this journalist new channel came up he defaulted on his promise so to me it seems like a very well uh, structurized story you know if if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't a presser it could have made a really good novel probably but one main factor is that what was kapil sibal doing there you know why was he the only politician there seriously i mean you should really cook your story better if if you're going to go completely over the top but at the outset of it pratik i would at least want to disagree that evms cannot be hacked uh, there is a way to hack them from from what this guy says you have to get military equipment that emits low frequency waves and uh, and but baat ye hai ki jab evm mein antennas hi nahi hai jab usme woh hi nahi hai to wo agar jaise ki mere wo ek but low frequency waves work on distance if i'm not wrong so if i'm within 2 feet even if you don't have an antenna it will be able Haan. to pick up the wave nahi to wo aap usse usse pura modify nahi kar sakte koi bhi vote ko matlab aap kitna hi ye kar rahe hain aur india mein india is a country yahan pe government ye evm machines banati hai bajaye bahar ke jo wahan pe evm machines प्राइवेट कंपनीज बनाती हैं ये कभी कभी वो लोग ये बिल्कुल जो कबाल कमाल होता है उसको लेके ही उसको यूज करते हैं कुछ कुछ जगह जगह कंडीशन ऐसे भी हैं पर इंडिया में उसको बहुत ज्यादा पुलफू बनाया जाता है हालांकि बीच में भी ये भी हुआ था कि भाई जो इंडिया से जो इवे मशीन गई थी नाबीबिया जिम्बाबे या इस तरीके नेशन में बोसवाना में तो वो उनका वहाँ की मीडिया का ये कहना था कि भाई इंडिया से जो इवे मशीन आती है ये डॉक्यूमेंट देख रहे हैं थोड़ा आप अगर उसको और गूगल करेंगे ध्यान से तो आप देखेंगे कि लॉकिंग मार्टिन पे इसी मतलब लॉकिंग मार्टिन कंपनी के लिए कंसल्टेंट काम करता बिल्कुल इसी शक्ल का इसी नाम का प्रतीक हाँ सो यूल शेयर मोर डिटेल्स इन योर स्टोरी राइट हाँ so you'll get more details about the evm and what were the facts what were the actual facts from pratik's story but i want to come back to sambhav sambhav could you tell us a little more about your work with land conflicts watch and i also want to know what are your thoughts on pratik's coverage uh, rather what pratik was talking about what's happening in chatisgarh do you think there's enough coverage of the land conflicts thanks cherry i think you rightly brought out the connection between the human rights violations in in a place like chatisgarh and issues around land conflict so in a place like chatisgarh which is resource rich the whole issue uh, in central india where there are uh, the land is so much resource rich has been about about the natural resources and the conflict around that and then eventually the whole displacement uh, of tribals from land uh has been a root cause of uh, naxal problem and that's when the security enters and that's when eventually the human rights violation happen so there is this a cycle of uh, of these violations and resource extraction right uh, there is a vicious cycle about land conflict watch so uh, we had been uh, seeing and it it basically actually uh, the genesis of land conflict watch comes from the report, media reporting of land conflicts we had been seeing uh, how land conflicts are reported once they, they take a scale of say niamgiri or a posco then they are reported in national media but as uh, pratik was right now talking that there are so many violations happening 
in places like Chhattisgarh, there would be several land conflicts happening there, but they all don't get covered by the national media. Why uh, is that the case? Because uh, an isolated, because they are all seen as isolated incidents. Once you and and that's a that's a problem because uh, our national media is so concerned about what directly affects people in Delhi or or in metros or in metros, right? So if so, our idea of starting land conflict watch was: is there a way to to scale up stories from isolated incidents to national trends, to national trends that that we could also show that how they are affecting the political economy of the country. What's what's the impact of land conflicts on human rights, on environment, on investments? Because now governments talk in the, the language of investment, right? So we also wanted to show that these land conflicts are actually affecting investments and, and once, uh, once tribals are fighting for their land, farmers are protesting, then eventually what you're trying to achieve, investments for or, or easy access for industry, you can't achieve eventually. So yeah, our idea was that uh, let's create a database of all the land conflicts happening across the country and then you see trends and scale up isolated incidents in a story of national, national trends. Uh, so we have a network of researchers and journalists ac- spread across the country who document land conflicts across their region. They they fill in for, they fill in a f- data they fill in a form in the database, and that data is reviewed by uh, researchers here. Once everything is approved, these these conflicts get documented, and then we work with journalists to to report these stories uh, on a larger scale. So we work with some in-house journalists as well as we we work with journalists working with different publications. So in fact, I would like to, uh, if journalists are listening to this, that this is a database. Even researchers can use it, journalists can use it, scale up stories. They can talk to us, and we can think of stories that 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 can be placed in the political economy, uh, in the context of political economy of the country. So what's been the impact? Because the media still doesn't cover land conflicts as much. So we started this two years ago, and uh, at least now we see much more reporting than than it used to happen two years ago. We It's easier for reporters to convince the editors because then they can also back up their their stories with data. Earlier, Mm -hmm. there was no database to back up stories. So now there are more reporters interested in. It's easier for editors to see a story in these uh, reports. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely much more than it used to happen. It's still not what it should be. The scale is yet not covered, but eventually maybe we'll reach there. So apart from just looking at stories in isolation, also, the lack of data could have been the reason behind the stories not making it to mainstream media. Aish, do you want and to come is, in? Is there a website for this? Yeah, the, the website is called landconflictwatch.org. Great. Yeah. I'll definitely so, like to check that out. Right. So we have already documented about 600 and uh, over 650 conflicts right. from across the country. And uh, we also document how many people are affected, how much mm-hmm. land is affected, how much investment is affected. So those figures you can get there. And for each case also, you can see documents and data about each case. Right. Okay. Excellent. Sounds really interesting. Moving on to a piece of news that I thought was underreported was the transfer of 20 officers, including those investigating the 2G scam and the incident of the police firing at the Sterlite plant in Tamil Nadu. Uh, by the CBI interim director Nageshwar Rao. Given that Rao's appointment has been challenged in the Supreme Court by Prashant Bhushan and also that his appointment was not approved by the selection panel, him transferring 20 officers I thought made for 
some big news but i didn't see it on the front pages that much another media news that caught my eye was the delhi delhi's patiala house court reserving its judgment in the priya ramani versus uh, mj akbar case also in doval versus caravan the court has taken cognizance so that that matter is going to court and what was mj akbar doing on that bjp poster by the mm-hmm. way are we are we going to let that go no we shouldn't i think news laundry is done a shot in that right. but it was just very surprising i mean he quit the post saying that there are allegations and i think the allegations need to be investigated but if he's again on the posters and these posters are being distributed to all the attendees i mean there are just so many questions which i think the bjp needs to answer right okay that brings us to the end of the podcast panel do you want to share your recommendations gorov beginning with you Sure. So I should probably check out uh, Manu Joseph's column for Livement that uh, came out on Sunday. If I'm not wrong, it's called "The End of Affection Between Men and Women." It's written in the aftermath of the Indian Me Too movement, and uh, I think it's a I think it's a well balanced, enlightening piece that probably everyone should read. Yeah, I think Manu makes one think beyond the left and right mm. of everyday kachara. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people will agree with you but, uh, but that's somehow, the point see that's the point people won't agree with that's me that's, 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 the, that's what matters make a point yeah somehow, I think I would uh, recommend uh, Caravan's uh, uh, book of profiles because uh, in the election seasons uh, I think over the last one year all the profiles they have done they would have a lot of uh, value now uh, as the elections near uh, especially the profile of Mayavati uh there are others also so i think that would be a good read okay ayush what's your recommendation so uh, two things first um, i read uh, vinod mehta's memoir lucknow boy over the weekend found How it great was that? it's great i think for just for anyone who wants to be a journalist or is a journalist it's a great book but on the whole just to know how the things work behind the curtains in politics definitely a great book um second would be since we were talking about the excesses committed by the state police and the naxalites in chatisgarh let's talk about naxalism part 2 will be coming out this week and we are tackling two head on questions which we discussed today uh, first is i think the rape the rape of a small girl in bijapur there was a similar incident in 2015 and amit in this podcast asked the brigadier powar who is the Uh, inspector general of police in chatisgarh about this please and do not give away any more details i'm not giving details. away the answer and second the the difficulties of reporting and on which malini subramaniam has to say something very important so people should definitely listen to that you're listening to let's talk about naxalism this country has for long been battling the naxals who indulge in nothing but cowardly we also i mean the piece also has an audio to go along so if you are not okay with reading a long piece you can just hear it and since we were talking about pollution uh, pollution of the ganges i would recommend indian express has an entire series 
on this. Uh, I think a lot of these stories were done by Soumya Ashok. So check out her stories, guys. So that's the end of a podcast. I want to close by saying, please subscribe. Please support independent media. Only your support can help us stay independent, free, and make us sustainable. Because when the public pays, the public is served. When corporations, governments, and advertisers pay, they are served. So subscribe to News Laundry or any other independent news organization of your choice. Happy subscribing. Thank you, panel. Thanks for having us, Cherry. Thank you, Cherry. Thank you, News Laundry. Thank you, Cherry. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.